bigger than Sunday, bigger than Bettendorf, beyond our lifetime. You've heard that once or twice this year so far. But I want us to focus in on this piece of this vision concept of living beyond our lifetimes by focusing on a generation, a next generation priority for our church and for our lives. So if you have your Bible, go over to Titus chapter 2. In Titus chapter 2, the apostle Paul was writing to Titus and he was giving him instructions, much like he did with Timothy, as he's wanting him to be equipped to be able to equip others and to be able to share the gospel in a compelling way that is going to outlive the Apostle Paul's life, that's going to outlive Titus's life and all of those that they invest in. So Titus chapter 2, we're just going to read the whole thing here, uh, starting with verse 1. He says, but as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled." Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. When I read this, what I am understanding here is that the Apostle Paul is telling Titus to go and to teach other people. And he's saying, command them, exhort them, teach them to go and teach. Teach them through not only sitting down and explaining things in a classroom setting, but more so through modeling, through life, by the way that you live out your life with integrity, by the things that you do, by the way that you conduct yourself, by the way you interact with other people. Teach them. In other words, intentionally invest in people who are younger than you to show them the way, to point them towards the things that God would have them to do that would be pleasing to God and things that would be a handing of the torch, a passing of the torch to that next generation. Teach them about Christ. Teach them about the gospel. Teach them about how to live this thing out in their day-to-day lives by setting an example and showing them and teaching them. And church, to reach the next generation... Jesus' followers must become spiritual parents who make disciples of those who are younger than them. That's the only way this thing is going to happen. We can talk about it all day long, and we can get excited about it, and I can get our church all kind of pumped up and amped up 
about this idea of reaching the next generation. Oh, we want to reach the next generation for Christ. We don't want to see a generation pass away that doesn't know God. Amen, pastor. Amen. All right. I sure hope somebody does that. Or, hey, how's that going, you know? <laughs> no, it's all of our responsibility. And that's the thing that we must adopt, and that's the thing we must understand, is that this is our responsibility. We must become spiritual parents who make disciples of those who are younger than us. So that means we've got to grow. That means every one of us as individuals have to grow so that we can intentionally, purposefully invest in the next generation. I think that bringing people into environments that are conducive to learning about Jesus are great. I think that exposing your kids to a Christian subculture in certain areas, I think that it's great where we, you know, I, I like to listen to Christian music. I like to watch some Christian television shows. There's nothing wrong necessarily with Christian subculture. And I even send my kids to a Christian private Christian school and so there's nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong, of course, with bringing your kids to come to children's church or to come to youth group or whatever. There's nothing wrong with those things. But can I tell you that those things are not a substitute for having someone intentionally invest in them at home? Because we must take priority in our home, not pass off the responsibility of investing in the next generation on church or on a school or on VeggieTales right? Those things are great. Nothing, nothing wrong with those things. Don't mishear me. But we must take the mantle of responsibility of passing our faith on to the next generation. But you can't guarantee just because you expose people to Christian things that they are going to be Christian. You, you, you can't guarantee just because you may do certain things in your home that they are going to become Christian. Man, we, we, we would love to have that guarantee that it's going to work out if we follow this formula. Tell me the formula. No, what we have to do, though, is we have to create an environment that is conducive as spiritual parents, and we have to make sure the right seeds are planted and that those seeds are watered, and then God's the one who brings the growth. Amen. That's what 1 Corinthians 3 is talking about when the Apostle Paul was writing about uh, this idea of Apollos and, and himself who were both preachers of the gospel and both were, 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 were doing fairly well with, with a lot of people following their, their teaching and some people were arguing over, well, I'm more significant because I follow Paul's teaching and I was baptized under his ministry. Some people thought they were more significant because of following the Apostle Paul and Paul just clears it all up and he says, guys, we're we're both just instruments of God. Like it's not about who baptized you or who taught you or who you're following. He says, because some people just water, some people plant, you know, like we each have our individual roles, but it's really God who brings the increase. And so I, I love preaching this type of sermon in Iowa because I know that we have farmers in the room and we have a, a, a farming mentality that understands this idea of seed time and harvest and understands these principles because every good farmer knows that they can create the right environment, the right soil, they can till the ground at the right time, they can plant at the right time, they can make sure that things are being watered and cared for at the right time, but what they can't do and what they understand that they can't do is actually make something grow. No matter how good of a job they do or how hard they try, they are not the ones who are making it grow. That's something that's happening beneath the surface. All they could do was till, plant, water, 
And then God's doing something underneath the surface that man has nothing to do with. But yet we do have a responsibility in the deal. And so church, we know that it's God who brings the heart change. We know it's God who brings the life change. But we have a responsibility, amen? And we must take that responsibility seriously to be intentional investors, to grow. And and man, if we're lacking in certain areas, we need to grow in those areas so we can become those more mature people who are making those spiritual disciples and investing more intentionally because we have to do this to make sure that our faith is passed to the next generation. Something really interesting is happening in our world that has never happened in the church age. And what I mean by church age is since the book of Acts, when this idea of the church was actually birthed and we see in scripture, it's never happened uh, except recently. And in no period of time has this ever happened previously. The very first time ever in the church age, in church history, that six generations have all been alive as a part of the body of Christ before. Six generations that we have in the body of Christ. And it's primarily people are living longer nowadays and things like that. And we're seeing six generations represented. We've never had six generations of people represented in the church age before. And if you were born from 1929 to 1945, you're a part of that builder generation. If you were born from 1946 to 1964, you're a part of that boomer generation. If you were born 1965 to 1980, you're part of Gen X. If you were born 1981 to 1996, you're part of the generation called the Millennials, although I don't claim to be a millennial, um, because I feel that uh, I teeter somewhere in between the Gen X, even though I may have occasional um, millennial tendencies, I still lean more to that direction, but God bless them, right? So 19... 97 to 2012 is known as Generation Z. And then 2012, that's going to go all the way through 2024, is known as Generation Alpha. So there's six generations there that are serving God together. This has never happened before. I think this is incredible because this is what this tells me. This tells me that there is an opportunity, there's an opportunity to grow and to learn from one another like never before in church history. And by 2025, 70% of the workplace is gonna be millennials and Gen Z. Let that sink in for a minute. By 2025, 70% of the workplace is gonna be millennials and Gen Z. And I think the tendency sometimes are for people to just group off into their uh, demographic where they just stay around people their own ages, and there's nothing wrong with connecting with people your own age. Don't mishear me this morning. There's nothing wrong with connecting with people your own age, but what we miss sometimes in that is that we miss the opportunity because we get so focused on my generation because every generation, including mine, we all have things that we like and things we don't like. We all have preferences. We all have ways that worked, that worked in certain generations and worked in certain time period of reaching people for Christ. We all have certain things that we were a part of that we really like and really enjoyed. And those things are are great. There's nothing wrong with those things. But sometimes the enemy can use those things to divide generations in the body of Christ. And that's not healthy. That's not a picture 
of this idea of unity. It's actually people just grouping off and only prioritizing their generation and their things that they like, and there's none of this cross-generational mentoring happening because people are threatened by change or they're threatened by different or they're threatened by something that's outside of their realm of understanding. And so we see those things happening within the church. And so you see churches that are just filled with just one age demographic. Or you see churches that are just filled with just older people or younger people. And I don't think that should be so. If we're the body of Christ, it should look more like a family reunion when we get together. There's little babies and there's old grandmas and great grandpas and all that stuff. That's how it should look. That's healthy. And then everyone in between. Amen? I mean, that's what it should look like. And, and I feel like we have that here at BCC. When I survey uh, the, the crowd, man, I, I see and, and I can look and see that I believe we have a healthy representation. I want to encourage us as a church who has different representations of all these different age demographics to not just simply group off into who we're comfortable with and what we're comfortable with, but for us to actually step outside of what we're comfortable with and build relationships in a way where there's mentoring, there's discipling, there's growth, there's passing of the torch that's happening. There's this idea of Titus chapter 2 and what the Apostle Paul was instructing Titus to do and how he's supposed to instruct the men to do this and the women to do this and how he's telling the men to, to, to go and, and, and to invest in teaching younger men. He's telling the women to go and invest in those younger women because I believe this, and this is our big idea for today and I pray you believe this too, that a generational transfer of faith is the responsibility of every adult Jesus follower. I believe it is a responsibility we all share. Every one of us have this responsibility. If we are an adult follower of Jesus, it is our responsibility, man, to make sure that we are transferring that faith on to the next generation. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Isn't that an awesome scripture? That Paul says, hey, Timothy, what you've heard from me, the older Paul, in my presence, and there's been a lot of other witnesses who heard it too, take those things that I taught you and now go teach them to faithful men. And what are faithful men going to do if they truly are faithful men? They're going to take that and they're going to teach others as well. And this thing continues and it grows and it spreads. But for this to happen, church, I want you to hear me. Our attitude and our intentional investment into the next generation must change because it's great in theory, but when I read the scripture and when I see the part that we're called to obey, what we're actually being instructed to do, to go into all the world to make disciples, for the older men, the older women to be teaching the younger, for those things to happen, men, our attitude and our intentional investment in the next generation must change. And I think that it must change on both sides. I think that younger people, instead of just waiting around and sitting on their hands, need to be proactively seeking out older voices in their lives because there's wisdom there and there's life there and there's experience and they can share from the vantage point of ups and downs and all of the challenges that they've walked through and they can tell you of the faithfulness of God. 
They can tell you why they still continue to gather with the body of Christ. They can tell you how God has been faithful. Even if they're in the middle of a struggle, they can still speak to the faithfulness of God. And they can share with you wisdom and stories, and they can share their life with you. But they don't always know how to connect with you, younger person. And they're not always going to know how to seek you out. That may be an uncomfortable or awkward thing. But I guarantee you that their heart is for you. They want to finish well by seeing the torch pass to you. They want that. But you can't just wait around for them to come and seek you out. I believe that we have to be proactively seeking those voices out in our lives. Identifying people. And here, here's how I do this, okay? Because this is personally what, what, what Derek does. All right? I look for people who... I admire their life if they're married or if their spouse is still alive, I see how they treat their spouse. And then I look at this too, how do their children, if they have children, how do their children interact with them? And I look at those things as metrics of fruit. And if I see something that's attractive in their life, I go, I want to make sure that my life has those types of elements and that type of fruit in it. And I wanna pursue that relationship and pursue that person where I see their devotion to God I see their love for God, I see their temperament. And here's what I love, man, when I get connected with people who are older than me, especially those that like you think are like super kind and super nice and just have this overwhelming love of God, and you're just like, you, you think because that's how you met them, you think they've always been that way, and their spouse is like, mm-mm. <laughs> and their kids will be like, no, mm-mm. <laughs> like, oh, well, you're so kind, I love hanging out with you, oh, it must be so great being married to so-and-so, and they're like, yeah, let me tell you a story here too, buddy. Because what you didn't see was all the things they had to get through to get to that point where they finally started trusting in God and letting go. You see, you don't know that story, but if you get to know them, you will get to know that story. I remember there was a guy in our church in Oklahoma where I was a youth pastor, like, I don't know, gosh, 20 years ago? Yeah, 20 years ago. Wow, Derek. All right, so his name was Denny, and uh, Denny was the guy who would always pray for you. Like he was an older guy in the church and everybody knew if you didn't say you were doing like super or awesome or something, Denny was gonna pray for you. Denny would go around on Sunday morning and he would say, how are you doing, brother? And he'd go, oh man, I'm okay. Oh, let's pray about that. Lord, I just, in Jesus' name, I pray you just, you know, you better be doing like super great or you're gonna get prayed for by Denny because he, he loved people so well. And he told me when I got to know him and started spending time with him, he began to mentor me in my life. I remember hearing stories about how such an angry person Denny used to be and how Denny was always looking to fight and how unhealthy his marriage was and how he and his wife were just on the edge of divorce at all times. And my mind was like, Denny? Really? Wow. Because he had to work through so many things in his life and God did so many things in his heart. And you, all I knew was just happy, let me pray for you, Denny, you know? And just getting to hear that and getting him to open up his heart and share his life with me. I had to seek that out though. And sometimes that's what we have to do. And then likewise, I think that people who are older have more experience in life. I think that, that there's that vulnerability that we need to have and, and that ability to listen to people who are younger because younger people just wanna be listened to. They wanna be seen. They wanna be heard. They, they don't always want you to fix all of their problems and they don't always want all of the answers that maybe you have. They just want someone sometimes to listen to them. Or they may have questions about God that you have to be careful, older generation, to not gawk or, or not balk 
at their line of questioning because you may feel threatened by it. Because that will immediately cause them to raise a wall up if they begin to ask you hard questions about God and all of a sudden, well, why on earth would you ask such a question? You, you can't be critical of their questions because you're pushing them away when you do that. Let them talk. Let them ask their questions and don't be threatened by those things and just know they're genuinely searching. And, and when they ask you questions like that, they're, they're letting down their half of the drawbridge and, and they're trying to be vulnerable and you need to reciprocate that with your own vulnerability of times where you've had doubts, of times where you've struggled, not just immediately come back and try to fix them all the time because sometimes they just want to be listened to, they want to be heard, they want to be understood. And, and I love the way that our partner um, 180 has their strategy. Uh, if you know uh, 180 is a great ministry here in the Quad Cities uh, that is just doing fantastic work to be able to do three things. And that is to prevent, reach, and develop. And they are strategically doing so with people who are either struggling with addiction or abuse or who maybe they're in areas or have systems that they're a part of and cycles that they're attached to that are conducive to those patterns and behaviors being repeated in their children and in their children's children. And 180 is trying to break that cycle, but also trying to rescue those who are entrapped and ensnared in those cycles as well. And that's a very challenging thing to do. And so they have a lot of different offerings of various ministries and programs that are addressing each one of those three uh, spaces that they're trying to influence for the kingdom of God, and that is the preventative side, the reaching side, and the developing side. And I think that that strategy is genius because it's the same strategy that we need to take to be able to impact the generation that's going to live beyond our lifetime. There's a certain piece of this that, man, we, we have to take the position of making sure that we understand, man, we, we want to be preventative. Well, that starts in our homes, but it also starts by ministering to children at their most impressionable ages when their belief systems are still being shaped and formed and how they see the world and how they see God and how they see authority and all of those different things in their lives that, that they're trying to still figure out. And so we have to have that type of priority in our lives where we're recognizing there's a prevention side. But then there's people who are already have made decisions where perhaps there's uh, generations that have already begun the deconstruction process of their faith that maybe they were handed as a child and they're just asking a lot of questions and a lot of them are leaving the faith. Or maybe there's people who grew up in atheist environments and uh, areas where they just had a lot of really hard questions that the church didn't answer very well for them. And so they rejected this idea of Christianity and the gospel and, and were trying to help win that person over. Or perhaps there's a person who's been hurt in the church because of certain things that have been said or done in the body of Christ that were not handled very well. And now there's some healing, there's some rebuilding of trust that has to be done. All of those pieces are part of how we're going to impact every generation beyond our lifetime and how we're going to live out this gospel and be the church that's handing that torch to that next generation beyond our lifetime. And we have to understand that role. So here's what I wanna do over the next few minutes, all right? I, I wanna give you, I'm gonna give them to you quick, all right? I wanna give you seven things that are just ideas and I know it's going to be a lot, I'm not suggesting you do all seven, and maybe you don't do any of them. Maybe God inspires something else in you. But here are some things that I think if we as a church started doing and involved ourselves in, or some things that you said yes to, 
as a part of this body, that we would be preventing, reaching, developing, and creating an atmosphere where we are actually going to be a church that is investing beyond our lifetime. Because again, I don't want to be a church that just says it and high fives after we say it. And then we go, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I want to talk about what does it mean? Because we see it in Titus. We see it in Timothy. We see it in the scripture. We get it. All right, now let's do it. So here's the first thing. There's a book called Fractured Faith. And this book is about finding your way back to God. It's an eight-week uh, video-driven curriculum that goes along with this book. And it's a part of Right Now Media, um, which we have at the church and we can give you access to. I would love to see somewhere between maybe three or five groups started that go through this book. Because this book was written by a woman who grew up as a Christian, ran into some obstacles, some hurt, and she left the faith over it. She walked through this journey of deconstruction and ended up saying, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. And then she found her way back to God through other voices in her life. I would love to see our church provide atmospheres for people to have conversations like that and to be able to talk through those things. Because maybe there's some people even in this room or watching online that are wrestling with doubt and they don't know what to do. And maybe this could be a great source of encouragement to someone. So there's a, a QR code. You can scan that if you want to take pictures. I won't feel weird about it. It's cool. You can take pictures. I know you're not taking pictures of me. Trust me. Um, <laughs> unless you are, then you let me know. I'll pose. Um, <laughs> the second thing is to plant churches uh, worldwide and globally. One of the things that Pastor Barry talked to us about last week was joining this Timothy initiative, which is planting churches in some of the most unreached places that have never heard the gospel in the world. And it's one of these things where we can actually be a part of planting churches for a very nominal amount. Um, my wife and I, we prayed about it, and we're signed up to do it. We want to be a part of planting a church. If you want more information about what that looks like, scan that code, because I believe we're going to be a church that is planting churches around the world, but also the Timothy Initiative, this organization we're partnering with, is not only doing this worldwide, but they're also helping educate churches in the U.S. on how to reach their areas that they're in, and they are strategically helping us and working with us about what our future at BCC could look like here in the Quad Cities so far as planting churches throughout the Quad Cities goes and beyond in our region. So this is a very strategic partnership. It's not just going, oh, that's nice, they're reaching people in foreign countries. No, they're actually helping us strategize about how we can reach people here in the Quad Cities as well. So this thing is really a, a strategic partnership. And if you want to be involved with that and help plant a church, because Pastor Barry said we would love to be a part of planting 100 churches this year, um, and, and we're on our way to do that, and so I would love for you to be a part of that. The third thing, pray over the development of a BCC residency and intern program for young people to be launched into ministry. This is where I just want you to pray, all right? If you're someone who is a prayer warrior, I want you to write this down. This is one of your new line items of prayer when it comes to praying for our church. Because I believe that God wants us to intentionally invest in raising up young men and women who are discerning a call for what God may be having them do. And so we have to provide opportunities for them to do that. One of those is going to be through a summer internship that we're going to start that's going to go throughout the summer for juniors and seniors in high school. And then the other one is going to be a residency, uh, which is going to be a year-long program that we are currently in process of developing to bring people who are discerning their future and what God may have for them. All right, so we're really wanting to invest heavily in the next generation. I believe that pastors and missionaries and evangelists and 
business leaders and, and community leaders, I believe they're going to be raised up out of this type of a program. And also, something that I'm excited to explore and praying about is reaching our Indian population in Bettendorf specifically. And we're talking to uh, one of our partners, uh, CICM, Central India Christian Mission, and we're talking to them about possibly taking on an Indian intern to help us reach our Indian community as well. So there's a lot of exciting things around this residency program, but we want to make sure that we get it right and we do what God wants us to do when he wants us to do it. So I'm letting you in on a little bit more vision piece and what's being worked on behind the scenes because I'm inviting you to pray, all right? That's what I'm asking you to do at this stage. And as we develop these things more and as we have more clarity, we'll inform the church. But right now, would you pray with us on this? Because this is a big deal. The fourth thing, teach or host an apologetic study for young people with your family or host a small group. The idea of apologetics or defending your faith, being ready to give an answer for what you believe and why you believe it. We have so many resources that we can put in your hands. There are so many people that are asking questions and if you're like, man, if I was asked questions, I don't know what I would say. That's okay. That's what we're here to do is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's what we're trying to do is to equip our church to be able to do those things. And so if you have those questions and you want to host a group like that that's exploring those things together, man, I want us to be able to hand. Are you hearing my heart this morning? I'm wanting us to be able to hand a strong faith to the next generation. And I'm wanting us to be able to equip them to not just know what we believe or what they believe, but why they believe it. And I believe that through these types of things we can do that. Number five. Serve our kids or teenagers to pass your love for Jesus on to them. Maybe God is calling you to serve in our children's ministry or in our student ministry because that's a way you could directly impact lives right here at BCC. Because there's kids that come, man, from some tough situations. There's kids that come from great godly homes. But there's all sorts of, of, of different kids from backgrounds that gather both in our children's ministry that happens every Sunday morning and then on Sunday evenings with our youth ministry that need godly men and women, adults, and don't think you're too old or too young or too whatever, because we need grandmas and grandpas just as much as we need young adults connecting with those kids and students as well, amen? amen. And maybe God's putting that on your heart, man. What an awesome opportunity to get to know some of these younger voices and be able to make an impact and have an influence and to show them that love of Jesus that you have. Let that rub off on them by the way you interact with them and treat them and serve them and just get to know them and have fun with them and connect with them. Maybe that's your next step. Number six, attend or start a mixed age small group or hangout. You know that we have some groups here that are full of wise people that you could be a part of. Did you know that you can find this information on BCC's website, all right? So go to bettendorfcc.com and go to groups and hangouts. Keith Wood teaches a class on Sunday morning during our first service, and it's over in classroom three, and it's primarily made up of Buster and Boomer generation, but it's open to everyone. What if a younger person joined in on that class on Sunday morning? What if you as a 20 or 30-something, I, I think that those older people would love on you and be excited for you to show up and learn from them and learn what God's done in them. So don't feel like that's some exclusive thing. They, they would love for you to be a part of that. We have a ministry that you can find on our website that meets, it's called Care and Share, and they meet on Thursdays, and they do different projects and crafts and acts of love and, and things to be able to serve various communities and to, to, to gather together and connect as women, and, and maybe some of you women need to connect in that group 
maybe some younger people to learn from some of the older women who are in that group, and maybe some older women can connect with some younger women to be able to build relationships and friendships. There's a group that meets at 10.30 on Sunday morning of godly women who are pursuing knowing God more and, and who are sharing life together. And maybe you could connect with those women. We have a cross-generational mentoring group that happens throughout the week here called Heavenly Minded Moms. It's intentionally multi-generational. We have opportunities here for you to get plugged into and to connect with. And church, I would love for you to say yes to those opportunities because we have them here. And sometimes you just don't know, so I want to let you know, because maybe that's the thing that God's calling you to do. Or maybe there's something God wants you to start. Either way, I want you to lean into those things, because we have wise voices here at BCC, and people who have lived life, and people who have learned how to trust God through the ups and downs of life. And they would love for you to connect with them. The last thing is to take a younger person or couple out to lunch or coffee that you don't know, or maybe you don't know them that well, and just get to know them. And maybe you could even do that today. Maybe there's somebody here that you could tap on the shoulder and say, hey, um, I don't know you very well. Uh, you want to go grab lunch? And then maybe you pay for their lunch. You know what? Younger people always like their lunches being paid for. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, that's a surefire way, you know, you can kidnap them. You know, it's just, uh, you want some food? Oh, food, <laughs> you know. So, um, but what if you gave them an opportunity just to get to know you? Or maybe you set up something during the week. Hey, you want to go grab a cup of coffee? Or maybe even after service, you want to just sit down over in the cafe for a minute and just talk? I'd love just to get to know you more. I've seen you come here for a while. Maybe one of the families that you saw a picture of that uh, their child was dedicated, or maybe even the family that dedicated their child this morning. What if some godly men and women surrounded people like that? What if we loved each other that way? What if we served each other that way? You want to talk about passing a torch to the next generation, passing the baton to the next generation? It's going to take some intentionality like that. But it has to start with us reading the Bible and obeying it. Uh, because like, we can read it, we can get inspired by it, but the next step is the hard one sometimes because it causes us to be stretched, Right? And that's obeying. And so what I'm trying to accomplish today is to give you some practical ideas of some things that I think would be wonderful for you to connect with. Some things that, that you could actually obey the scripture instead of just be inspired or challenged by it. Like, what if, what if God's calling me to do one of those things or several of those things or maybe not even something I mentioned? What if it's something else but God used maybe some of those ideas or concepts to inspire something or a thought, well, what if I did this? What if I did it? Or maybe you can just parent a little bit more intentionally or be a grandparent a little bit more intentionally. Uh, maybe there's some experiences you need to invite them into. One of the things I didn't even think about, man, inviting my kids into, um, we support several different ministries personally as just a family, uh, ministries that BCC has partnered with. We support them financially and, and you know, I told my wife, I said, I don't even know if our kids know that we support some of these ministries. And so I made a map, and I put little pins in all the different cities and countries where we support different ministries. And I want our kids to see that, and I want to tell my kids what all these ministries do and why we support them, and just invite, invite them in just a little closer. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Bring them in a little closer. You know, when, when you're struggling, when, when there's sickness in the home, it, it, nothing wrong with going to the doctor, nothing wrong with taking medicine, but, but what, are we going to pray for each other in our home? 
when we're sick, like, just bring them in a little closer. Bring them in a little closer when it comes to a struggle that you had. Let them know, man, I, I had a bad day at work. I, I'm struggling, but I, I need to go prayer. I need to spend some time in the Word. Let them see you lean into Jesus. Let them see when you make a mistake that you repent. <laughs> Let them hear you affirm that. Let them see that godliness, that godly pursuit modeled. Not perfection. That's not what they're interested in. And then when younger people have questions, man, don't turn them away. Bring them in, even if it's a hard question. And if you don't know, just say you don't know. That's okay. But seek out some answers together. Pray about those things together. Don't just, don't just oh, no, I can't believe you asked me that. Or how dare you say that? I know. It, yeah, what's going on? Lean into that and create opportunities all around you to be able to invest. That's what we want to do here at BCC. That's how we want to live our lives. Acts 13, 36 says this. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and laid with his fathers. He passed away after he accomplished God's purpose in his life and in his generation. Isn't that beautiful? I love that scripture because it makes me think, man, that's how I want to finish. I want to finish well like that. I want to finish strong. Don't you want to finish strong in this life? I want to accomplish the purpose that God has for me in my generation. So, Lord, while I'm still breathing air, what you have for me to do, I, man, I want to do that. I want to lean into that. I want to lean into those relationships. And I want to live with the sensitivity. I've got my antenna. Man, they're tuned right now, looking for younger people to invest in. I, I'm looking at myself differently now. And I'm looking at when I have a young 23, 24-year-old guy that I connect with, and it's not just another buddy to hang out with, man. My antennas are tuned differently. God, what are you doing? And how can I pour into them? How can I be a source of encouragement? How can I be a source of inspiration, a source of safety and trust where they can share what's going on in their life with me? And I'm looking for that, man. My, my antenna is tuned to be looking for that. And guess what? When you're sensitive and looking to intentionally pass your faith to the next generation, if you're living with that type of awareness, I promise you God will provide opportunities. You just have to tune those antennas and go, God, I, I, help me to be aware. I want to pass this on to the next generation because if I'm an adult believer and follower of Jesus Christ, the generational transfer, I have to, to believe it's my responsibility. So I don't just want to be inspired. I don't want to just be convicted and challenged. I want to be a doer of the word. Amen? I want to be a doer of the word. I want to be doing this stuff, not just talking about it. Jesus didn't give the great suggestion in Matthew 28. It was a great commission. It was a great command. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to obey. And it's not contingent upon your personality, your age. It's not contingent upon your tenure not contingent upon your knowledge. It's contingent upon, if I know Jesus as my Savior, I have a responsibility now as a follower of him to make other people as followers of him and let them and walk alongside them and walk with them and make sure I'm passing something on to those who are going to outlive me. A love for him, a trust in him, a faith in him. And that doesn't come just by happenstance. It comes when the church gets intentional, when parents and grandparents get intentional. Amen? comes when we assess our neighborhood in an intentional way, when we assess our job and the relationships we have at our job in an intentional way, where my antennas are tuned a little bit more, going, God, where are the opportunities? 
that I can say yes to greater, more eternal things. So Lord, help us do that because sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we get so focused on ourselves and what makes us comfortable and what we like and what we don't like and we pair off into subgroups and we don't think about those around us. Lord, we pray you would increase our sensitivity, increase our heart for the next generation. Let us live with the next generation priority in our lives and here at BCC. Lord, let us value one another, love one another, serve one another, be united around mission, vision, and purpose. Lord, and let us impact eternity for your kingdom, for your glory. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.